So first things first, Chris, how are you? I'm great, man. I hope you are. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing too bad. And it's very good to hear uh, you seem well. And well, in doing my research, there, there were certain words I, I came across, like uh, a sense of li- uh, liberation, feeling liberated, uh, just feeling uh, good in your own skin. Mm-hmm. So what I want to start with, with is, is Heavy is the Crown, kind of that song. When did that arise and how much of that was, was part of your own kind of, I don't know if transformation is too big a word, but, but kind of what you went through in the past year or two. You know, actually, uh, that song um, got started by my keyboard player, uh, mm-hmm. Elvio Fernandez. He he uh, we had we had just um, finished uh, World on Fire and he was like, hey, man, um, I got this idea. I don't know if, it, if it'll work for the record. And he sent me this like verse and chorus idea and me and Scott and Marty, the producers, we were like, yes, this is this is pretty sick. And uh, we just kind of took it and ran with it. And it just, to me, it was like, you know, world on fire was like this long, hard look at what the whole world is going through right now. And, and uh, heavy as the crown felt like, like a statement, like we all have this heavy responsibility. We all have uh we all have a responsibility to do something, you know, about it. And, and when you, when you realize the weight of that, that whether it be in your own family or your uh, career or uh, you know, as a parent, when you realize the weight of that responsibility um, you know, it's, it's really heavy, but at the same time it's liberating because you know that you, essentially have control over that by the decisions you make. And, um, and, and when you're trying to like carve your own path and, and not, you know, um, conform to the, to what everyone else is doing, the societal norms, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a heavy weight. And at the same, you know, I, I kind of experienced a little bit of that with, you know, uh, parting ways with a major record label, right. you know, And, and just realize, and just thinking like, man, what do I want to do? What, what, what kind of record do I want to put out? What was the music that made me want to do this to begin with? And that was like, it was this weight and relief at the same time, you know, uh, because I knew it was my responsibility Mm -hmm. to, to make what I wanted to make. Nobody else was going to do it for me. And that was also very liberating because no one was in my way. And uh, this record has has been um, the most cathartic, I think, record that I've ever made okay. because it's it's felt the most freeing, the most liberating, the most real, honest record that I've ever made from top to bottom. There's been no outside input, no no peers saying you should do this type of record. No, no executives going, you need, we need to catch up with radio here. We need to do this kind of song. It was me and my producers and, you know, the occasional song that was was co-written by one of the band members. It was all the inside circle. And Mm -hmm. from top to bottom, it's the record that I've wanted to make probably since my career started. And uh, I can't wait for the fans to hear it. It's, it's, uh, 
it's it's got some some killer moments on it that that I'm really excited to to get the fans reaction on. Right. So before we get to the question what you wanted to make, I want to start with with the first part of that uh, kind of equation as you mentioned it why you've started doing this whole thing in the first place. So what did you once once kind of I, I don't this is going to sound way too dra dramatic but once you kind of got out of that um uh major label deal were there certain elements of of your youth of your your musical interest that started to resurface oh yeah 100 it you know when you when you get out of the the rat race of trying to keep up with radio and believing right. what you know I, i take full responsibility for my own part in it with believing that that's what i had to do believing that I had to chase this sound or believing that I had to do this to stay relevant, you know, and, and it's a bit of a, I don't know if I can swear on this yes, or not, but may. it's a mind fuck. It's, it's a mind fuck for any artist who is kind of being uh, touted by this major label and you have major su success and then, and you, you, you're new to the game. So you want to believe that what they're telling you is in your best interest. And you start to go, okay, I guess this is the kind of record I need to make. Nobody else is playing guitars. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I started to believe that hype as well. And so when I kind of stepped away from all of that and really shut out all the noise, I even got rid of people in my team, managers, agents, um, you know, and, and really kind of started again from the ground up in a way and took a step back and started like I found myself listening to what was popular and I I was like I, I'm not feeling anything you know what I mean I like I feel like I'm I'm just doing unnecessary uh homework to see what else is out there but I'm like I, I feel nothing and what do I want to hear what made me excited about music I started going back to like facelift and dirt And uh, um, super unknown, and bad Motorfinger, and throwing copper, and all these records from the '90s that made me like that made me want to be uh, a rock singer, made me want to start a band, made me want to write songs, made me want to sing on stage for a living, and uh, and I'm I've been listening to that ever since because it it's it seems like the only thing out there that's like getting me excited about music again. And, um, and it feels good to, to like get that inner, that, that excitement and energy that I felt when I was a teenager and I first saw live on the secret Samadhi tour, you know, for the first time. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to do that for a living, you know? Um, so yeah, I think a lot of those records um, indirectly inspired this record just mm -hmm because it was what inspired me to do music in the first place. Right. On a side note then, because you obviously had a great deal of success. How do you look back at that success now then? Um, I don't look back at any of it with regret. I look at it as um, a gift. You know, I got to experience that. I got to experience and, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I wrote, you know, most of those songs sure, sure. and, and they were from the heart. I think in hindsight, like I, I was even talking to some of my band members the other day of like, it'd be really cool to go back to some of those songs and, and just completely flip them for live and make them 
big rock tunes, you know what I mean? And um, even some of the, some of the songs that, that weren't initially rock songs. Can, can, uh, you, name just one? can you name uh, one that it, you had in mind? I, Waiting for Superman would actually be really cool as a heavy song. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've, I actually hear it in my head on how that could work. But, um, and so, yeah, uh, I don't look back on any of that with regret. I, I'm very grateful that I got to go on national TV and, and get in front of millions of people and, and get my voice heard. And, and, you know, that first record was, was very close to my vision from the beginning. And, and then, you know, once, once you get that success, then you got people in the, it, we, we went through different A&R people for every record. Oh, wow. And so, and so, because there was so much turnover at the label and what you run into with that is people that don't know you mm -hmm. and people that don't understand you as an artist. And they're, they're trying to put out their version of what they think Daughtry is. And, and that became this kind of inconsistent um, pattern throughout from record to record. And, you know, everybody would have their own idea of what we should sound like. And it felt like there towards the end, I was like, I don't even think that they know that we're a rock band. Like, I think that they don't, that's not how they view us. And so it was a, it was a mutual parting ways with RCA. And I'm very grateful for all their support, you know, until the, until sure. we did part ways. Um, you know, I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus, but it feels so good to be fully independent. I'm making the videos that I want to make. I'm, I'm, you know, hell, I'm even wearing, you know, I'm, I'm wearing the wardrobe I want to wear. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's 100% from me now. Um, and that's a good feeling. Did it affect the way that I, it must have, but, but how did it affect the way you wrote in terms of kind of, uh, you mentioned you, you, uh, You gravitated more towards uh, obviously what you like yourself, but did, was it yeah. a, a very liberating writing process in that sense that you could try anything? Um, on the new record? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. Um, it does. I'm, I there's some songs on this record that I don't think I've ever used, like certain parts of my voice that I've never really got to. Um, experiment with because the song didn't really um call for it and there's a lot of um there's a lot of songs on this record that that just i don't think would have ever happened if i was in a, a a situation where i felt like i was having to write a hit or write a song that had to to fit a certain format for radio and um so are there songs that 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 sound like they could be on the radio absolutely but it wasn't because i was trying to make that it, it they came very naturally and they came uh from a very real place and um you know there's a song on the record where it, i don't i think there's like hardly any production and then there's then there's songs where it's like probably the heaviest thing I've ever done. You know what I mean? So uh, there's, there's a, there's a lot for everyone on this record. Well, can we, can we delve into your vocals then a little bit? Because how did you challenge it? You mentioned you, you uh, 
you were able to do things on this new record uh, or this upcoming record um, that you weren't able to do before. So, so what were the things that you, you challenged yourself with? And I'm not very technical, but if you can. Mm -hmm. um, I think my range, um, hmm. I challenged my, 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 uh, you know, getting back to um, listening to those records and what inspired me to be a singer in the first place. And having the years of experience on the road, you know, that, that kind of, I'm a different, I feel like I'm a different singer now than I was when I started, which I think every, every singer goes through that. And I feel like I'm able to do things that I wished I could do when I was a teenager now. And um, like I figured it out or something <laughs> and, you know, listening to records like, you know, uh, like super unknown or, you know, some of those higher range vocals that I'm, you know, somehow in, in my age of 41, I'm able to do now that I wasn't able to do back then. And there's moments on the record where I kind of get to use that, that part of my voice. So, um, I'm, I'm excited for the fans to hear it. It's interesting that you mentioned because uh, Chad Kruger, who you've uh, toured with yeah. as well, I've, I've spoken Chad, to Chad Kruger. Chad Kruger gave me this Deadpool. Right <laughs> okay, <here. laughs> oh, that's very cool. Uh, no, but I spoke to him a couple of years ago, and he had the <coughs> sorry, he had that operation on his uh, throat, right? Yeah, uh, and he mentioned that afterwards he was more able to hit the notes that he wanted to hit. So it's interesting yeah. how you, as a songwriter, as you mentioned, it's you keep on developing. It's, it's not like you're 18 and that's your voice. It's, it's yeah. an ongoing thing. Yeah. I think, I think it, it's, it's super encouraging to me because, you know, I won't mention any names, but there's certain singers that you grow up listening to. And then as they got older, they're not able to do that anymore. And there's always that fear of like, you know, is that going to happen to me or, or is, is my voice going to, you know, start going downhill and I'm going to have to change keys and, and make it almost unrecognizable. And my voice has kind of gone the other way and my range has gone even higher than, than I knew was, was possible. Uh, even the tone of my voice changed uh, right. over the years. But I think, I think a lot of that has to do with, with figuring out how to do it right. And I think those, those earlier, I, mean, I know the first record, like I, I look back and I cringe when I hear myself because I, I, I hear the uncertainty in my technique. Like I hear that I didn't know what I was doing. I, I feel like I was trying to sound a certain way instead of just, you know, coming out uh, and letting it happen naturally. But that, that comes with years of being on the road and learning how to do it the right way because you don't have a choice. You got to sing the next night and the next night and the next night. Uh, and as a kid, you know, I, I was, I didn't realize I needed my voice the next day, you know. With, with that in mind, because uh, I find it interesting with, uh, the way you describe it. On that first record, was it like you were trying to sing like your favorite singers in a way or and then you had to find your own voice or did you already have, had you already found your voice but it was it more a technical thing? I think... I think it was a little bit of both. I think at that time I thought I was using my, my real voice. And when I look back on it, I could hear, I think it was like, I was trying to, I didn't know how to, um, I'm trying to explain this in a way that, that, uh, 
for a layman like me. <laughs> no, no, for my even even trying to understand it myself, I felt like I was singing from the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So it sounded like I was trying to to hit a note instead of just hitting a note, if that makes sense. Like it, sure. it, it, it felt forced, um, at least when I'm listening to it. You know, I've, I've told some of my band members that and they're like, I don't hear it, but I hear it and I hear the, the work that was being put into it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, second record, I felt like I was a completely different singer. Okay. Leave This Town, uh, I was a completely different singer because I'd been on the road and, and, and I think I'd kind of, think that was the record where I really kind of found my own voice and then it only progressed um, from there. And over your career, did you look to to other singers to see how to try to figure out how they did it or was it kind of a, always a more, okay <laughs> always I'm I'm the dude that that like on tour I'm always asking the other singer okay. are, is your voice hurting too or how did how did you hit that note and like it was almost like I, I never knew what I was doing. Like, and they're like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, I just heard you, you just did, you know, a full show and you sounded incredible. And I'm like, yeah, but I was struggling here. And they're like, dude, shut up, stop. You say that every night. (laughs) And I was always asking singers like how they do certain things because I'm, I guess it's something I've always been really fascinated with. And when I would hear, you know, the greats like Robert Plant or Cornell or uh, David Coverdale. And uh, I would, there was that I was listening to it. I was listening to things that most people probably weren't, you know, Every, most people just hear a good singer. That's, that's sick. Right. I'm like listening to these little nuances going, how the fuck did he do that? And how did he go from that note to that note and still sound this good when he went back into his lowered register, you know? <laughs> Um, and so I was all, I'm always intrigued to this day. I'm always like, how can I do it better? How can I do it better? How can I do what I just did every night and not mm-hmm. lose it? You know what I mean? You mentioned, uh, Chris Cornell and, and now, um, you're doing a song, uh, now I have to find which one, uh, hunger strike. You're doing a song, uh, hunger strike as well, um, which I want to get into, but, um, what was it about Chris Cornell's voice? that made him so good? God, uh, everything, his tone, the, the use of his upper register, his control. And and when he was using falsetto, um, he, he could do everything with his voice. He had the low baritone voice that, that just sounded good. And then he had this upper register that was just like a just screaming and, and it, with vibrato and power, it wasn't, um, you know, there was a lot of singers that I looked up to growing up, but he was like the bar Mm. for me. Like he was, he was the bar that I felt like I would never reach. Like that was that there were certain, you know, songs where I was like, Ooh, I'm, I could do this, but then he would get to a certain part and I just felt defeated. You know what I mean? And I would always sing to these records in my car or in my bedroom growing up. Um, and he was one of the first singers that, that like made me listen, you know what I mean? And really brought me in as a, as interested in what he was doing 
and almost like, can I do that? Like, I would love to be able to do that. Like, um, I remember, yeah, my teenage years, man, when, when I found, when I fell upon super unknown, that record was like life-changing for me. Okay. That, that was like my whole high school career. I listened to that thing almost every day. And I actually had my first car wreck <laughs> and I think limo wreck was playing in my tape deck. <laughs> Nobody was hurt, but, um, but yeah, that song was, was playing while my car was upside down in a field. It was still playing in the tape deck, which is very a, ironic. You have a good car radio then. Well, the song was limo wreck, but I was driving a little Chevy Sprint hatchback. <laughs> <laughs> well, with with what you just mentioned, and then you, you you've sang in tribute to him before, but is that a very daunting thing then to 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 tackle uh, a song like Hunger Strike? Um, this was something that I. It's weird because I feel like during the making of this record, I kind of found that part of my voice and it made me excited to do this song because I was for the first time felt like I was going to be able to attack these parts that I always looked at as unattainable for me. And um, when when I sang them, it was like it was weird. It felt like you know, I, like I was singing like one of my heroes, you know, and, and it was this, I got like chills and, um, it was, it was a, it was, it was a moment for sure that I'm super proud of. And I'm really proud of the vocal on that, that song. And I hope the fans love it as much as I love performing it. And, um, you know, that song was one of the first songs that introduced me to Cornell um and well actually i think i found that song after super unknown and i found out that that existed you know and then i found this the record temple of the dog and i was like that's some of the best singing i've ever heard in my life and uh so that song like to me it, it it's like the 90s like mm -hmm. that song is the 90s it's it's like the best rock duet of our generation and it's the 90s all in one song right You got you got Eddie Vedder and you got Chris Cornell like that's that's the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, to kind of uh, uh, wrap have you up heard it the, yet? I, I haven't heard your version. No. Okay, so it, yeah, I didn't know I didn't know anyone knew about it yet. So we're uh, no, well, well the, the, they they mentioned it, but it, it's still under wraps in a way. So I won't release this until the song uh, is out. But the, the, it was so we in got the, we got so we got Lejean from Seven Dust on it as well yes, yes. so he's he's doing the eddie vetter um part it was it was a lot of fun um I, i'm i'm really really proud of how it turned out and yeah like you said it must be incredible to to not only uh pay tribute to your heroes but also to kind of uh, get an approximation in your own mind like like you've you've not like you've arrived i, I was going to say arrived but like, like you you belong in a sense that hey i'm in this <laughs> It was certainly a moment that that made me feel very good about, you know, I've been wanting to, you know, I, I've considered myself a rock singer ever since I, you know, um, got in front of a microphone because of 
you know, all the, you know, that's just the way I sing. Mm-hmm. But to find a, another part of my another gear that I didn't even know I was able to do was was pretty. Uh, that was a lot of fun. It's kind of like, you know, a, a guitar player learning a solo that he thought was unattainable, and all of a sudden he can rip it. You know, and 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 it, you know, I I, I definitely uh, got a lot of pride from that. Oh, that's good. Well, the, the thing I want to end on is, and it's it's just kind of a little bit of, uh, uh, well. Let's let's just jump straight into it. Uh, you wrote "World on Fire," um, and then you mentioned Chris Cornell and and the notion of mental health. And now I know that you've uh, you've been living healthy the last couple of months, at least. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know your entire history, obviously. But yeah. Um, uh, how important is that? As you mentioned as well, with with not just the incessant touring uh that that you are involved in but also the the label pressures all that kind of stuff yeah. that, that you've experienced uh how did you kind of maintain or protect your mental health uh i've always do. been a i've i've always been a, a very strong-willed person when when i wanted to do something and when i really made my mind up to do it i go in full force and you know i decided to go sober uh, back in December, um, just, I just felt like, um, it was getting in the way of some of my goals and things that I wanted to accomplish in my life. And, um, I just was like, I want to, I want to, I want to live. I want to get that kind of excitement from just doing life. And, um, I'm excited to go back out, out on tour and, and, and feel great every morning when I wake up <laughs> and, and not be hung over. And, and, um, uh, I, I knew the toll it was taken on me. Um, and I felt overwhelmed by just daily tasks like emails and, and, and I would just like let emails go for weeks. And then I would get, overwhelmed because I had to catch catch up on those. Meanwhile, there's more coming in and then there's other stuff. And, and I think, you know, COVID played a big part of that. You know, all of a sudden you don't have a, a career and, and you're, you've got nothing to do and you start drinking at noon, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. And um, I have, I have, there's mental health issues in, in our family that I see firsthand and, Um, I've been around it, uh, pretty much my whole life in some capacity. And it's sad because you can, you don't know, like, you know, they, they could look the ha- like the happiest people in the world. Mm-hmm. And then you find out they're dead the next day. And, and it's, you know, I started thinking about stuff like that and, and I didn't want, my kids to ever experience anything like that because you know you 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 think of people like Chris Cornell and Chester and did they did they really want to die I doubt it mm. I doubt it and I think drugs and and mental health is it plays such a, a dis, such a game in your mind and 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 the things that, that you believe when you're under the influence, it's not really you. It's not really what, I mean, that from what I gathered, there were 
husbands and fathers first and foremost. You know, as a father, I want to protect that from ever happening to me because I I know that addiction runs in my family mm-hmm. and I I know what I'm capable of and, and susceptible of of you know um I, I feel like I've in my life I've I'm aware that I have a, an addictive personality. So there are certain things that I definitely want to steer clear of because I don't want to ever get to a place where I don't know who I am anymore. And something like that, you know, I don't ever want my kids to have to experience that. Um, so I, I find mental health, one of the least, um, I feel like there needs to be way more attention, um, placed on mental health. It's, it's a, it's a real thing. And I think, um, it's not taken seriously enough for you. How has music helped with this over and then not, oh, not just now, but, but over your life? It's, I think, I think it's a huge help in the sense that I'm able to say things on paper and in song that maybe I wouldn't be able to say in a conversation. Um, because I feel like you can, you can get away with writing down some of your darkest feelings and it's so poetic and, and, and it cuts deep when you hear it in a song and people can relate to that. Um, and that's where a lot of my, you know, I feel like a lot of my darkness comes out is, is, is in music. Mm. And uh, especially with this record, um, I, I was, I think, I dealt with a lot of my own personal struggles on paper right. on this record. And, and it was very therapeutic and, and transformative in a way. It was almost like a release. Um, I don't, and, and I've always kind of, you know, I've always written from personal experience, but this one felt like the most vulnerable and, and open that I've ever been when writing. I didn't feel closed off or afraid to say something. Hmm. Final question. And when, when do get people get to hear some of the new music? <laughs> And that is the, the question. Um, this year it is, okay. it is, uh, the record is finished in regards and, okay. and as far as me and the band are concerned, we're done now it's in post-production and mixed phase. So we're, uh, we're, we're getting close. Well, can't wait to listen to we've, it. We've done, the, we've done the photo shoot. We've, we've, uh, we've, we're doing the artwork now, uh, we're working on merch. Like it's, we're in the process of getting prepared to, to launch it. I just don't have a, a release date yet. One final question then, and it's, it's going to sound a little bit, um, oxymoronic maybe, mm-hmm. um, but are you looking forward to, to going on the road? Because, um, I, I think ever since the whole American Idol thing, you, you've been pretty much on the road and playing music until mm-hmm. last year. And then all of a sudden there's this slowdown. Uh, are you, are you really looking forward to playing again, or do you like this kind of pace that you're at now? Man, that is a, that is, um, that's a catch 22, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I miss it so much and I can't wait to go out and perform live again, but I also love, being at home with my kids every day. Um, and I'm, I'm terrified of 
of leaving my wife with that heavy responsibility again. You know, now I've gotten a taste of not a taste. I mean, I've, I've eaten the whole plate. I've gotten this experience exactly what she goes through every day when I'm not here and it sucks. <laughs> and, 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 and so for that, I'm, I'm definitely not looking forward to leaving her with that. Um, and trying to figure out a, you know, a way to, way to lighten that load a little bit, but you know, the, the real answer is yes. I, I'm very much looking forward to getting back out uh, and performing live. Um, it's, it's going to be weird, but uh, we're, we're excited for it. Yeah. I, th I think the world's ready for it as well. So yeah, uh, should be good. Should be good times once everything kind yeah. of opens up again. For sure, man. All right, Chris, thank you so much for taking the hey, time. Hey, thank you for having me. me. All right. Yeah, thank you. Be good. Thanks.